Welcome to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. I'm Chef West Step, and I'll be your host for Outer Banks Raw, a brand new podcast coming from the Outer Banks. We're going to be talking about food, fitness, lifestyle, you name it, that Outer Banks state of mind that y'all love so much. You want to plug in? Tune in here. This podcast is brought to you by Edible Photography and Marketing OVX. Edible Photography and Marketing OVX is a local company providing affordable solutions to small business and entrepreneurs in the Outer Banks, backed up with 18 years of experience in the market. Visit ediblephotographyobx.com to learn more. Now, let's get this podcast started. Hey, this is Chef Westep, and welcome back to another edition of Outer Banks Raw. We're doing this podcast live from Duck, North Carolina, and we got a lot of different guests that have been coming on, a lot of different great entertainment and shows, and, and today I've got a really special guest, Terry Shepard. And Terry, first of all, thanks for your service, for everything you've done for this country. You're welcome, man. You're welcome. I really welcome you down here, and I want to get to know you a little bit better, so First of all, just give me a brief description. What the hell do you do, Terry? <laughs> I've been called, some people have said it's an interesting life. I think it's more schizophrenic because I've gone from to, from one thing to another. But I was born and raised in New York City. That's where my parents are from. But I, we traveled a lot. My dad was an IBM exec. And then I went to college at, at University of North Carolina at Wilmington. And before my senior year, I read a book about the Green Berets in Vietnam. And it wasn't the stories, but it was the black and white pictures of these dudes with these wolf grins. Yeah. With their arms around each other, black guys, white guys, Montagnards. And some of the, these after mission pictures, some of the dudes weren't there anymore. And these dudes were still smiling. And I thought, I want to be that. I want to be that guy who can smile at death. So I graduated and I killed my desire to go to graduate school. So I, I got my degree and then I enlisted in the army and I was a an infantry guy in the 82nd Airborne. And it, it was a great place to grow up in the army because I went to ranger school, I was in Panama, the Gulf War. And then I tried out for the Green Berets and I made it. And I w- went through the training to be a Green Beret medic. And I, I was that. And I was living in Europe for about four and a half years in Germany. Ich war in Stuttgart für viel Habjahre. So I'd been in about almost nine years. And then I was like, ah, I've kind of done what I wanted to do. What else do I like? Oh, theater. Because I had done theater in high school and in college. I even did some theater at an American-German theater while I was in Germany when I was on like off red cycle, where I wasn't going to deploy. And so I came back to the U.S. I was still in the Army. Came back from Germany, auditioned for all these acting schools in Manhattan. I got into all of them. And I I went to Circle in the Square Theater School on Broadway. It's a two-year full-time conservatory. So I graduated from that and I was living and working in Manhattan as a professional actor and, you know, doing a lot of theater. I got to play Macbeth and, wow. a, and choreograph all those fights on a theater in the round. And if you're a New York actor, you have to get a small part on Law and Order, right? I had a small part on uh, All My Children. I was a bad guy and, you know, and things are going well for me. And then 9-11 happened. And oddly enough, I had just gotten down here the night before 9-11. I drove from New York with my wife at the time. I'm divorced now. But we had just gotten in like 2 a.m. to where I live in Duck. And all of a sudden, the phone rings in the morning, and it's my mom saying, you got to turn on the TV. I'm like, Ma, I've been driving all night. She goes, turn on the TV. And then right then, the second plane hit. And I was like, I remember I walked out to the beach. I went, shit. I go, this, this is not an accident. We're under attack. And I remember asking her or thinking to myself, what do I do? You know, like, do I go back? Do I go, go on auditions or get back in the fight? And so kind of an easy choice. I mean, like within a month after 9-11, I was re-enlisted to the National Guard Green Berets. There was a unit in Rhode Island because I was living in New York at the time. 
And so I was in that unit from October 01 to October 2016, 16 wow. years. Yeah. And so I was a National Guard. So, and we have a lot of kind of interesting jobs. Guys have all these different career paths that like I had, like active duty dudes. And there was guys who were accountants and linemen for Connecticut and trucked and all this crazy, a lot of law enforcement people. But I got a big break in 08. Long story how I got connected to this big agency. But uh, I ended up hosting my own TV show on History Channel called Warriors. And they, by the way, they named it Warriors with Terry Shepard. And I argued with them. I go, nobody knows who I am. Who gives a crap about Terry Shepard? But it was my first big show. And then I hosted Shark Week in 2010. And then I was on a survival show on Discovery called Dude, You're Screwed. Awful name, hysterical show. It was great. We were all over the world putting each other in very uncomfortable positions with like ridiculous things to survive. And then I ended up, right as I was getting ready to get out uh, in 2016, I got divorced, you know, I had no kids and I moved down here to this beach house that we've had since 1982. And so I host now a show called Hollywood Weapons and right. we just got, I just got back from filming season six and I do a lot of other things too. I have a contract job down at Fort Bragg for the, for during the guerrilla warfare exercise. I, I teach stuff, but I, dude, I'm a North Carolinian now. I'm originally from <laughs> New York, but you know, I've been, I, we've been coming here since the seventies. Dad bought the house in 82 I went to college in North Carolina, spent a lot of time at Bragg. And, you know, when my life changed and I was getting out of the Army, this is this is where I live now, man. So you can't get rid of me. <laughs> no, we don't want to. I tell you what, too, you fit right in down here on the Outer Banks because if you if you live on the Outer Banks, you got to be a hustler. And Yeah, yeah, you know, that's you're, true. You're a hustler. It's like, you know, Celeste might have two or three different jobs. I have, like, two restaurants, you know, catering business, chefs on call, whatever it is. You're always, you know, and, you know, it's not – so much the necessity of having to have multiple things, but I think people like me and you, it's like passion projects. That's what I hear well, when I hear you talk. I don't talk. know if you remember, dude, I met you years ago when I started coming down here, like in 2015, you were working out down at Matt Costa's gym. Yes. And I had met you, I'm like, who's this big muscly dude, right? <laughs> and, and then I knew you, then I knew, I always knew you as the owner of Red Sky. Right. And, you know, and now you have NC Coast, which is, by the way, if anybody's listening, those two restaurants are fantastic. And they're both in Duck. They're yes. right where I live. But I don't know if you and I were talking about this, but I have to, I respect anybody who owns and operates restaurants because you talk about hustling. Like, that's your whole life, dude. You you probably have no spare time. Uh, not much. But once again, sort of like you and the Green Berets or anything else, it's like we rely on our teams. You know what right, I mean? I mean, team right. building is if you're going to make it and you're going to have a life. You know, you need a good team behind you. you That's know true. What I mean? You got to be able to step away sometimes. And I, I don't think anything can put that in your system more than being special forces because, you know, you rely on everybody else. And you know what? That's what I miss the most. I miss yeah. nothing. The camaraderie. Yeah. It's a real family because we love our country. We love our families, but we love each other. Right. And, you know, that's a word, you know, I remember a long time ago, I was at a, a friend's wedding and a bunch of us showed up in our dress uniforms and these people had never seen guys like us right. walking in. And, and I was kind of, you know, I, I was old for, for, I'm old now, but I was a little older for that job. And I remember this one gal said, why, why do you still do this? I said, well, and I, my one word answer surprised her. I said, love. You're right. I love these guys. And, you know, when I came back in the war after it started and I went on my first deployment overseas, I came back, my mom and dad were at the airfield waiting for me to come back. And my mom said this to me. I'll never forget this. She goes, I've never seen you look this happy. It's been a long time since, since I've seen you look this happy. I said, well, I'm back with the people I love. Right. Like nothing can, nothing will replace being in a helicopter with your guys, fully armed, charges on your back, everything, and you're going to go hit a target. Right. And you look at each other like, holy crap, this is happening. Or I'm getting ready to jump out of a plane at like 15,000 feet or, or all this other stuff that we do. 
nothing can replace that job. Okay. So that's that. But what we really miss is being part of that group. Right. And that's where a lot of guys get jammed up. I know I did. I had a hard time with this. I had a hard time mentally. I, I don't know if I told you. I mean, there was, there was a year there that I, when I was, my marriage fell apart and I was alone. I was here at the beach and I considered killing myself because right. I thought, well, dude, I'm only going to get older. Right. I, my, my identity's gone. The Green Bray thing's over. Now I'm just going to be some Joe. Right. I don't have that family anymore. I have nothing to look forward to except physical and mental decline, and I'm going to die in a VA hospital by myself. And it wasn't like, oh, poor, woe is me. It was just like, I'm going to go out like a Viking. Right. And then I looked over at my rescue dog. I adopt senior dogs or cancer yeah. patient dogs. And I, I had this dog that I had picked up at a shelter when I was teaching a sniper school, a sniper course out in Utah. And I looked at my dog and I looked at him, I go, man, someone's got to take care of you. Right. And I put the gun down and I was like, holy crap, what am I thinking? I would have destroyed my parents. I would have destroyed my friends and family. And I, I kind of felt like I would have dishonored the dudes who I lost overseas who would give anything to have one more day on planet earth. Going forward, I've spoken to different groups and I said, listen, dude, I get it. If you make it about you, you're going to pull the trigger. Right. Why not? I was there because it's about going out on your terms not accepting living in pain or hurt. I go, so try to turn it around where like make life better for one more person. Right. Or in my case, these senior dogs. Or, you know, I like I was telling you earlier, I teach diving for Task Force Dagger where we, right. we help guys who have really had problems integrating and, 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 and I can look right at these guys and hug them and tell them I love them and say, dude, brother, I've been there. And we plug these guys and they're back on a team. So now we're excavating a Hellcat wreck, an underwater Hellcat wreck that we found in Saipan. It's been- World War II. World War II, yeah. It 1944, was, Right, yeah, they, that's a huge battle. And, and we ended up getting, one of the guys we had in our program ended up being a graduate student at, at East Carolina's Maritime Archaeology Program. He's, by the way, the funniest, quirkiest dude. Pat Smith, if you're listening, I'm talking about you. <laughs> he talked to the professors in ECU and said, you guys got to meet these special operations dive guys who really helped me. So now we have this remains recovery project with wounded special ops guys and instructors that we are. And East Carolina's like grad students and professors. And we have been working for several years on this wreck, you know, underwater right. to excavate it. And as a bunch of us do technical diving, deep water uh, shipwreck penetration with like uh, closed circuit breathers, we have some potential missions coming up in Australia, New Guinea, and Italy where these bombers that they never found. And, you know, we'll be going back to Saipan because we found another wreck there that has to be, this one we have to finish closing out. My point of all of this is that you have to find a way to wake up in the morning and not just give a shit about yourself, but, right. but to care about maybe, and it doesn't have to be some major thing. I just try to, if I can help one dude not be where I was, one dude, then I've succeeded. If I can help one dog that's going to get killed in the shelter and get him on the beach and have him bloom into what he should have been before he was discarded, then okay, man, then maybe I've done something right. It's great when you see somebody's light go on because it reminds you on a way that no one can can say to you or relate to you. But when you see someone else's light go on, like, oh man, hold it. They've, they've got their light on. Right. It reminds you, you got your light too. Well, and I also think some of the, the, mo the most interesting people I've ever met and the ones I respect the most are ones who have been through the fire. Yes. Who have really come through some things. And again, when you're going through it, like we were saying, it's miserable. It sucks. Sometimes it's hard to see the forest for the trees. But I think the most interesting people, and I think the ones who have, in my opinion, the most to offer right. are the ones who have really 
been through suffering. And suffering for what it's worth, I tell people too, like what makes an elite unit in the military? It's really shared suffering because the training is, is important, but the fact that you all get crushed right. together and suffering is, is what can make a family incredibly strong or can fracture it. Right. And so mutual shared suffering where you all go through this together and at various times. Dude, I've told people, there's been many times on deployments that I have needed, I, I have not had a good day. Right. And my brothers were there to just pick me up. And then I, I was there for them too. Like yep. they have bad days. Everyone's going to have a bad day. But when you can rely on someone to like kind of help you during that time. But the other thing is, this is another thing I miss about it. Like, I tell people, I go, where can you, my job, where can you have a job where the office, yeah. <laughs> everybody at the office will kill for you right, and die for you. But all those people who will do that expect you to kill for them and, and die, die for, for them. them. Whoa, you can't recreate that really. Right. I mean, I mean, but, but that's, you can... You can come close and that you you do the best you can for your friends and your family. And, you know, I don't, I don't mean to make this sound like some rah-rah, you know, a podcast thing. Because trust me, man, some days I suck and there's days I'm just like, I don't really feel Some like days it. the grind is just the grind. And just some days it's your own bullshit gets in the way. Yeah. Your own head gets in the way. I trip over my own crap. And, I do and, all the time Yeah, myself. dude. I mean, we do. We, we, you know, it is what it is. And, and you know what helps me get out of my head? What? What really helps. Sometimes you don't even know you're in your head. You're just yeah, like, you know, true. life just, is just kind of gray and you're yeah. really in your head really big time. But reaching out and- Helping somebody else, volunteering for something that, that you actually really need. One of my problems is, and I and I know this, I sometimes isolate. Like yeah. I, especially I'll come down here, dude. I'm a hermit. Like I may go train, I may do this, but I go back to my house and I'm not leaving. Yeah. Celeste uh, mentioned to me, she said she knew you from the gym, right. from the Outer Bank Sports Club when right. you worked out down there. And she said, yeah, this guy just comes in, works out and leaves. And that's sort of my motive of operandi too. It's like, I'll walk in, I know exactly what I'm doing. I pump it out yeah. and then I'm out of there. You know, yeah. some people are like- But also, you know, speaking of working out too, I know you're a super physical guy. They can't see you. I mean, this dude's like big and ripped. <laughs> Wes is big and ripped. I also think, you know, we're both 56, right? Yeah. Right? So we're not, we're, we're old dudes. Yeah. We have gray beards. And one thing I think that saved me a lot was that my entire life, ever since I was a young kid, fifth grade all the way through high school, college football, and then the army, and that I, is that I was always really physical. Whether I was, and there's times when you're in less shape, right. not as good, where you're like, I feel kind of, I feel, I call it buttery when you're right. a little softer. Yeah. And then you get ripped again. But but my whole thing is like, it's it's a lifestyle for us. It is. And I think that's another thing. I know if I don't work out, if I don't train, whether I can swim or, or do whatever, lift weights, grapple, whatever, I don't do well. No, me neither. So, I mean, that's just like one of the things that we just have to, it's hard for some guys that let that either were never physical and now they're in their fifties going, Oh boy. And yeah. I respect guys who eventually pick it up and go, I'm start getting in shape. I'll always encourage anybody. You can start right now. Right. But it's a lot harder. It's easy to get out of shape. It's <laughs> definitely like part of my mental psyche. And I really kicked it up a notch when I was going through that dark period in yeah. my life. You know right. what I mean? That becomes the thing. That's what I ended up doing a tough mutter and hurting my knee and yeah. doing all that stuff. And I was doing a lot of those boot camps when Matt used to do. That's yeah, where so I first Chris. met Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah she right. was amazing. I could see, you know, that was, once again, seeing other people go through transformation. Right encourages you to try harder. Well, I think that's why those kind of, and you know, they, they were really took off around the country, those kind of boot camp programs yep. were for that reason. The camaraderie. Because, yeah, you're getting, you're getting, you're all getting crushed. 
you're all out on the beach doing push-ups in the sand or, or whatever. And you get a little taste of the military, actually, yep. where you all have to, and you maybe you have to rely on each other to, to help you get over the races to get through whatever the event is. So, yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, there's life is life, man. And it's, sometimes it's really difficult. And then there's other times, like, I'll be out on the beach with one of my dogs. I'll be like, man, it doesn't really get any better. I mean, I really love it here. It's funny because I've always come back ever since we were coming in the seventies and then dad bought the house, you know, they rented it for years during the summer and we'd come down at like, you know, September or something like that. So even when I was in college in Wilmington, we'd come up and then, man, this has always been my favorite place to come back to. You know, I'm from West Virginia originally. Oh, so I remember, like I you, you told me that. Yeah. yeah I'm from West by God, so, Virginia. So that's a beautiful state. It is a beautiful state. I've got a little place up there. I go hunting. I do a lot of hunting Hell and stuff yeah. like that. But I was on the West Virginia Rifle and Pistol team. So I was watching you last night. Actually, I was watching your season one of uh, oh, Hollywood, Hollywood Weapons, Weapons. Yeah. when you were doing the shark with yes, Jaws. Yeah. And you were shooting the M1 Grand. Right, right. With the open sights. Right. Leaning on the on the mast we rigged up to try to make it as, as close as we could to Brody's shot in the movie. Oh, my God. And I was sitting there. I was like... That is not an easy shot no, and not, not, and you know, if not. someone's not used to it. Now, when you went through all of your stuff, because we shot uh, M1s, okay, and then we shot M14s. So it was a high-power right. rifle team. Right. So basically, right. we shoot Camp Perry, Ohio. And they're great. Yeah, that's, uh, by the way. All learn, open sites You at the learn time. how to really shoot when you do that. Yeah. We competed against Army teams. Of course. Uh, Marine teams and Army teams were head-to-head, you yeah. know. Now, you're a Green Beret, right? I was. I'm retired. You're now retired. I'm nobody. So I was I did all the shooting and all over the country. That means you're a good shooter. Yeah, I know? love it. Yeah, you're a good shooter. If you if you learn those kind of things with those weapons too, with you know iron sights and stuff like that. I mean, I had never shot. I mean, when I came in, we still we had M16A2s, right? And there right. was no optics then. This is in 1988, so there were no. I didn't get into. I didn't have optics on my gun until I got into special forces. You right. Know, aim points, and then later on, we had ACOGs and LCANs and. You know, then I went to the Special Forces Sniper course as an old guy, actually, in 2010, and that was an eye-opener. Because I would never, like, unlike you, I would never grown up. I was a suburban football player. So, right. So I'd never grown up with guns, ever. So that was quite a, but if you could teach me, I'm the, if you could teach my monkey self to shoot a gun. Well, you got good form. I was watching you. You're, well, you're good. You know, and then on the show Hollywood Weapons, I tell people, I don't fake, we can't fake the funk. There are times, and if you watch all six seasons, sometimes I don't do as well as I would like to. And, right. And we can't, you know, I won't, we won't fake it for the camera because sometimes this, in Hollywood Weapons, if you don't know what the show is, we basically recreate scenes from TV shows or movies, you know, with, with weapon systems. By the way, we did a Braveheart episode where all I did was sword stuff. I got to watch that you have one. To see that. All I did, we had a special sword made for me, like almost like the Scottish Claymore size. It was almost like the William Wallace sword, which I actually used when I was in Warriors, oddly enough. And I used to be a fencer and I, I've done some, quite some sword stuff. But like, so it's not always just guns. I mean, we've done a lot of, we've done bow stuff. We've I know. I saw you with a bow too. You had good form on that stuff. too, because yeah. I'm a bow hunter. No, you're primarily. a bow guy. I remember that. Yeah. So like, you know, but sometimes I don't do that well. You know, I don't always joke like, like, well, Clint Eastwood would have made that shot. Just right. Maybe Terry Shepard can't. And if we have to do it two, a couple times, then I'll just say that. Yeah, man, let me let me try it again. Because, you know, I'm not, there's always better dudes than you. There's so many guys who are better shots than me. I mean, I have experience and everything. There's so much technical stuff to shooting, too. It's like yeah. the mirage, the wind, yeah. the, well, long, the elevation. Long, long, long range shooting is, is definitely. Yeah, I saw you doing that Quigley down under episode, Oof. and you were trying to shoot the bucket offhand at like, what, 400 yards, yeah, 500 like yards? Five something. It was, 564. I was awful. But then, if fast, then we did the, we call it the Quigley, where you kill two guys. Yeah. And you shot those two. 
And I remember these guys set this target up. It is these black, matte black I was kind of surprised it actually did it. Dude, I was like, and the sun's going down. I'm like, guys, we're losing light here. And you put matte black targets 820 yards away. And I'm sitting and I made this fighting position in the rocks. And I'm looking behind this, these tang sites from this 1870 Shiloh Sharps rival. Luckily, I had good advice because this guy, Tom Gullo, who won the Quigley Cup. I said, all right, Tom, I'm going to take a shot. You guys spot. And you, you tell me how to adjust the windage on this. I, I don't know what to do. And uh, I don't want to spoil it, but I... I did pretty well, and they didn't think I did well. They missed it on the show. When we were – I'll tell you what happened. So, so I, I saw it. It I, was I, awesome. I took the first <laughs> shot, and they're like, yeah, I forget what they called. And I was like, all right, well, let me make an adjustment. Took another shot. They're like, yeah, that was close. And then I took one more shot, and I, I went right over his left shoulder. I'm like, ah, you know what? I'm done. You're right. Let's have Tom Gullo shoot it, Dave Gullo shoot it. And, of course, he shoots it and hits it first shot at the base of it. Right. So we go walking down to look, and we're like, well, there's, there's Gullo's shot. And then we're like, ah, we're get, kind of almost getting ready to close the episode. And Gullo goes, hey, Terry, look at this. And there was a bullet went right through this guy's heart and hit the guy and went right through the heart of the guy behind him. And he goes, that was you. Yeah, And I, I know. was like, I did this. Okay. Yeah. I looked around, but, you know, and I call that. And I was like, that's luck. You know, that's a little bit of luck, you know. And that was a great episode, too, because Tom Selleck, I got to Tom talk Selleck to him. Tom Selleck was in that The most one. gracious dude. Like, I've met some of the some nicest, like Gary Sinise was He's a, a big supporter of the military and Huge everything, isn't he? supporter of the military. And a giant man. Like, when yeah. you see him, he's probably 6'4", big, broad hands. I mean, he's a big guy. And he was so friendly. We had such a laugh. We had so many laughs. Yeah. I mean, there was an hour long. And by the way, kind of what you were saying, um, Celeste, I don't do interviews. I do conversations. Right. Like, well, even when I was in Warriors and stuff, I don't, interviews are stupid. Right. Hey, da 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 No, we talk. And so, like, my conversation with Tom Selleck, somewhere on, I think, the website is an hour long of us just making each other laugh. Right. And his wife actually emailed me afterwards and said, you know, Tom, this is so funny. Tom was so happy to meet you. And it was him. Gary Sinise was on the show. Bill Duke from Predator. Yeah. Big, tall, black dude from Predator. Dude, he was a guest on the show, and he was so gracious. Yeah. Nick Searcy from Justified. You got to be having a lot of fun doing Bruce this Bruce Campbell stuff. from Army of Darkness. I mean, he didn't. we had to do a Zoom thing because it was COVID, and he right. was doing something. But again, really gracious guys. A lot, there's a lot of good people in Hollywood, right. actually, believe it or not. I know they get they get a rap for that. and But the guys I've spoken to have been nothing but gracious and fun. And uh, this guy, Matt Marsden, came on season six. He was in Rambo, the 2008 movie with Sylvester Stallone. He was one of the main guys, British guy. He's become We've become very good friends, actually. Right. You are who you are on that show. That's the cool yeah, thing about no, you. I've, you're that's a con- I've you're not been, really acting. No, you're just dude, like, just okay, me. this is Terry in Arizona, and I'm going to do some wackadoodle <laughs> stuff with yes. some weirdo weapons, and we'll yeah. see how it works. Well, I've told guys, I've gotten other guys into the business, military guys, and I've even had them hooked up with my agency. I've gotten them represented with my agent. And I realize, you know, I could be taking work out of my, they could right. be taking work from me, but I, I don't care. I look at it as guys from my community, their success is my success. I really right. believe that. And if I'm supposed to get the job, I'll get it. My advice I've always given to these cats that want to come from the military into doing what I do. And I've been doing this for a long time now. Right. I said, dude, you are way more interesting than what you think they want to see. Right. And a lot of military guys fall into that trap. They get on camera and they become this stoic, uptight they don't yep. they want to be i'm like dude that's boring be i mean it sounds right. it's not to sound like whatever but be vulnerable on camera be you don't be afraid to fall on your ass don't be afraid to make a joke self-deprecating joke be you because i know these guys right i've worked with some of them and then they get on camera and they're like very stiff and uncomfortable and they're trying to be 
all stoic. I'm like, dude, that is boring and it's manufactured. They're trying to act like what they think they that's you what I tell, want that's to what I say. see. I said, so you are, I, I tell anybody this, you are always more interesting than what you think people want to see. Right. Always. And they're like, man, that's good advice. I said, take it for, I've been doing this for a while. And I'm <laughs> a benefit from my wisdom on this because I learned that. I was always kind of, even from my first series though, maybe because I'd had, you know, a conservatory acting upbringing and I was an actor as well as a special forces guy on camera. I was, I was having fun. I wasn't trying to impress anybody. I think I've gotten, I've gotten a lot better because I feel like my first series words, I was very earnest and really, you know, I was younger too. Right. I think now I'm just a lot more kind of laid back on camera and I, th I think it translates better. Yeah. Not at your level or anything, but I've done a lot of TV with cooking and stuff. Oh, like I know that. you have. And yeah. I had to. But by the way, if anybody's listening, He's being self-deprecating, but he's a everybody knows you on the outer backs, dude. They, <laughs> put it this way, which bothers me because I'm a damn performer. Yeah. More people know you than me, Wes, and that's gotta change. Because <laughs> I am the camera whore. Okay. The fact that everybody knows you and not me, that's that's not right. Two camera whores in that's the not, same that's room. Two we just go, we just go and compete to who gets more camera time. There you go. No, you I know, know what? You're, yeah, you're all over you the place. You shoot man. it, I'll cook it. I think we got a new show coming on you here. You know? <laughs> Actually, you're a good hunter too, so I yeah. can't even. I got you beat. Yeah. But listen, dude, not not for nothing too. I know we're gonna wrap this up too. I've known about you, I've, and, you know, and you've always taken care of uh, me and Chris when we go to yeah. your restaurants too. And anybody who comes down here, you have to go to Red Sky. You've got to go. You've got to go to NC Coast. Even if you're down in Kitty Hawk or Nexit, come up here because you do a great job with it. And you know that's that's good on you, man. I you know, appreciate you, you've that. You've really kind of created your own thing here, which is cool. I know you know this. Food is, is a commonality that we all share. I, and so some of the best moments I've had in my life, even on deployments to, to like Iraq right. or other places too, is sitting down with people and eating. Food, food, food. And, and the idea of sitting down to a meal with somebody, whether it's someone, whether it's someone in the Middle East or someone down in West Virginia, yeah. I just think that's always been, it's always been a unifying thing. Food is such a disarming, yes. you know, ingredient in our life. Yes, you know what man. I mean? And you can get people who are warring factions and they agree over a good 100% right. And you when you're sitting I mean? down and eating, you're actually vulnerable. Yes. Right? You don't have your guns up. You're actually, you're devoted to the task at hand, which is eating. And I think also someone like you, I, I think, you know, someone who cooks for someone, it's, it's really done out of love. Oh, yeah. Right? You really want to make them happy, which makes you happy. So I think food, food's the way to go, man. Everything that we've kind of talked about in summary here, a couple of things that I've gotten out of being able to share some time with you today, Terry, is one thing is the massive amount of respect. And I, and I man, really do you. really, really, really like your personality. And on the show, if you haven't watched Hollywood Weapons or whatever, it's entertaining as hell. I That's mean, all you, we want. We want you to be entertained. It's not just the guns and the bows and all that other stuff. It's your guys' characters and, and your personality truly shines in Thanks. that thing. But is there anything else you'd like to talk about or no, anything man, else you can I, think I, like, of? No, 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 no. It's, Anyone really, you want to mention out there? I'm really flattered that you wanted to talk to me. Definitely if you come down here and you have animals, though, look up OBX Dog Walker. My girlfriend, who you know, who, by the way, has a, she just talked about hustling years ago when we were first together. She goes, hey, 
what if I started a dog walking business? I was like, baby, that's a great idea. So Chris formed OBX Dog Walker. And she- I love it. She walks your dogs, by the way, who I've walked your dogs. I've walked Archer. <laughs> and it's so funny because like Chris is like, hey, can you guys? I was like, yeah, I go, I'm gonna go in there and just leave a little little bomb for Wes. <laughs> but you know, when she started, she does hustle, when she started man. it was only her. And now she's got, so, at different times, maybe four or five people doing work for her. And she's the kindest person I've ever met. But this girl is on, she is constantly scheduling and redoing this and on the phone with people and doing meet and greets. Like, honestly, I, I joke with her. I say, you work, she works so hard, but she's, but it's done out of love, you know? And she just got done getting, she just went out to our friend Scotty, who's a really well-known, like international well-known dog trainer. So she just got out, she went through all this training and now she got this, uh, she did all the, the hours with this, with our right. friend out in uh, Columbus, Ohio. So she's going to be offering that too training walks and all kinds of stuff. And, but you know, look, if you come down here, one more thing I would say, yeah. if you come down here and we'll end it on this, like you and I are pretty friendly dudes and there's people who sometimes rent houses on my block and I'm walking by them and I'm like, Hey, I smile at them and they just walk right by me with a scowl. <laughs> I'm like, is it something I said? <laughs> if you come down here, we want you here, but just enjoy yourself and be nice. Yeah. That's all I will say. Yeah. That's all I'll say. We want you here, but just put aside any kind of stress you have. And if someone smiles at you, like if this ruggedly handsome retired Green Beret smiles at you, yeah, I said or that. Or ruggedly handsome Rugged, chef guy. Ruggedly handsome, ruggedly handsome restaurateur. Be nice. Yeah. Be, and be nice to the wait staffs and be nice to every, just come down here, have a good time and be nice. Cause we, and we'll, we will show you why this place is so great. Thank you so much for yeah, making man, time. Yeah, we got a chance to hang out and talk. When you get back down into town again, maybe we'll go work out or something. Can't wait. Okay? Can't wait, man. All right. And thank all you. the best to you and your family. Thank you. You too, buddy. Take care. So that's another episode of Outer Banks Raw. This is Chef Westep, your host, and we had a great time today talking to Terry, one of the not-so-known duck locals down here, and we want to thank him so much for everything that he talked about in his service. It was interesting. I loved it. Good luck, Terry, and this is Outer Banks Raw. Till next week, subscribe or follow. If you love the Outer Banks, you'll love Outer Banks Raw. <laughs>